You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. A lot of the music on this album, um, I mean, all of it, was, you know, composed and played, performed, experienced. Um, It was the only, it was the only way that I could uh, survive the circumstances that, that I was in. Looking back on that, I felt like that was my haven, you know, that was like my only safe haven was music. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, best-selling author, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. And this is the Performers and Creators Lab weekly podcast, helping you to find your edge. We don't always have control over the things that happen to us from the outside world, but we do always have the creativity inside of us. And it seems like no matter what, creativity sneaks through the cracks, brings light into the dark places, and it reminds us, it keeps us present to what is truly special about our existence here on earth, whether our circumstances are great or not. Now, my guest today created a haven for herself with her music during a tough time. And now I'm happy to say she is celebrating all of that, that haven being in a different place in her life with the release of a new album. Here to talk to you today, Global Music Award-winning violinist Brianna DeMara. She is here on the show today, and she was trained in Western classical music, This is kind of interesting, but she's gone on to study and perform a wide variety of traditional styles, including Celtic, Balkan, Turkish, Arabic. So just all these beautiful flavors, she weaves them together in a really unique way. And her album was called A Masterfully Crafted Album by Jonathan Robinson from Bucket List Music. Just one of the many great reviews that this album received. So You're going to get to hear some of that music here in this episode today, along with meeting Brianna DeMara. Now, I've known Brianna, as it was, as it were, for about 15 years, and we both have teenagers. So, of course, we started talking about that right away, because I know how tough it can be to get your kids to join you in your art. For some reason... Us parents that are that are artists, you know, there's we ha- we live in this fantasy world, all right. We live in this fantasy world where we think we can get our kids to do stuff with us, and we imagine this like I don't. I think the Partridge Family ruined everything for us. I don't know. We just imagine like you know this big, beautiful, musical, creative, performing family, and it so rarely shakes out like that. So rarely does that happen. And so I know that her daughter sang on her album. So I wanted to know, how did she do it? How did she get her daughter to do that? So this that's where we start this conversation. So please enjoy Brianna DeMara and her music. Here we go. One of the songs that I wrote for her is um, the last track on the album, and she sings with me on it. So that was really how special was, to be able to do that. How was that to have her? Well, you know, in it, you know, she's a young woman at this point. She is, yeah, and that's what's so kind of ironic about it is that it's 
it, I mean, it's a super, super emotional song for me, and it was really emotional. And she's like this teenager now, you know? <laughs> and it's it was literally like pulling teeth to get her to come and do this recording, you know? Like, she's just like, come on, Mom. You know, she just wants to sing pop music, and all of her friends, you know, she's in this great vocal program at Oakland School for the Arts, and they're all singing Ariana Grande and, you know, all this pop music. And she's like, you know, it's not like... A super exciting thing for her to come sing on her, you know, her mom's hip, you know, quote unquote hippie, wandering hippie music album. <laughs> you know, she when she was little, she loved folk music. She loved all traditional music. She was like belly dancing and flamenco dancing, and you know, she I brought her to all the shows and everything, and you know, she just loved it. And now she's like, is that going to be a wandering hippie party? You know, every time I every time I try to bring her to any gig, anything, that's what you know. That's her of response. Course, same, so, same here, same. It's pretty funny. So anyway, she she's been that. All that being said, she has been really supportive and really encouraging and loving mm-hmm. about the album. And oh, um, so, but when I was recording it, I actually ended up doing that those vocals in in my home studio so she's like in her bedroom the next room away and I'm like Clippy come on we gotta get this recording done you know (laughs) so I'm like trying to finish it on a deadline and she's like okay fine I'll be there in 10 minutes you know it's just and you know it's like came out beautifully and it's like all angelic and it's like you know it's really what I wanted you know I wanted to, to to hear it came out how I wanted it but the process of getting there was like you know, <laughs> not as angelic <laughs> and, and beautiful. Behind but the scenes. The behind the scenes. Grappling the, the pulling, teenager. Yeah, pulling the teenager out of her teenage lair to come and sing the, yeah. the song, which, yeah. you know, she thought was, um, I mean, I think she thought it was pretty, but she thought it was, she felt like she, a little bit silly, you know, like, because uh, okay. it was like a lullaby. It was like the beginning and the intro to that song is like oh. a, a kid sort of lullaby, you know? But it was actually really fun to do it with her because we kept like we kept messing up and because we were laughing. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at each other and we're singing and we're, you know, like one of us sings a wrong note and then we just start cracking up, you know. So it took us forever to get through it because it was so funny. Or like Aww. a car goes by or something, you have to stop the recording and anyway. Yeah. So most Aww. of the album was recorded in a professional studio, but that was the one thing that um we had to do at home, so That's beautiful, though.
you know, it's always been, music has always been emotional and it's, it's never been like a, for some people, I think it actually is like pretty technical, you know, because like music and math or, you know, they're like people that have like math brains also really connected to music. Um, but I'm not one of those people. (laughs) That's not me. I'm like totally on the opposite. I'm like really bad at math and music for me is, is hundred percent emotional and heart. And, you know, people start talking about scales and stuff and I just tune out completely. I'm like, yep, nope, that's not what I care about. (laughs) I just care about the feeling and the soul. And, you know, that's, I think that's what drew me to traditional music is that just that heart and soul and the community aspect of it you know having that strong bond with people that you play music with and Mm -hmm. um that was really important also for me in this album to reflect that because Mm -hmm. it you know it was hard to get everybody I couldn't get everyone but I really tried to represent you know the past 10 years of um my experience in the bay area with all these different amazing musicians and that bond that we all have and um you know really tried to to bring in as many of those awesome people as possible Dimara's album Haven. So more from Brianna in a moment, but first I want to talk to you about podcast gifts. Did you know that I have a page for listeners where they can go and get gifts that only my podcast gift listeners can get? It's true. It's called the Podcast Gifts page. And on there you can find links to courses like Build Your Own Bio course or How to Talk About Your Craft with Confidence. And these are mini courses that I normally would charge for, that I used to charge people for. But now I'm offering them to you for free simply because you're a listener. So you can find that on the performersandcreatorslab.com website. So go to performersandcreatorslab.com forward slash podcast gifts. Again, that's performersandcreatorslab.com forward slash podcast gifts. Go and get your gifts. Let's go. Let's talk about your journey as a musician a little bit. Because you, when did you, you picked up the violin so I picked up the violin when I was a kid. I was in kindergarten, and um, luckily, my elementary school—I'm old enough to be uh, to be in elementary school when we still had music in schools. <laughs> so, <laughs> luckily, my elementary school did have a music program and had a strings program. And I always wanted to play violin, though. I remember seeing my neighbor who was like an older, pretty, you know, 
older girl. I'll always remember that um, playing violin. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, I was totally amazed by it. Um, And coincidentally, my mother, uh, she was in, she was studying in an institute or working in an institute that was studying um, brain research and development Mm -hmm. in children. And she, she had gone on a tour with this institute to make a long story short, she um, got to see Dr. Suzuki performing in Japan, like right around the time that he was first being discovered. Um, oh. And, you know, he was actually discovered in the 60s, but this was the 70s. And she was actually pregnant with me during this tour that she was doing. And she huh. saw him perform with like all these hundreds of little kids. And this was what um, kind of, you know, brought the Suzuki method to fame in this country was was all these amazing performances that he would do with these like two and three year olds that were playing like concertos and stuff. And American and European teachers were like, wait, how is he doing that? So, uh, the Suzuki method rose, um, from, you know, from those discoveries. So she was able to see that like pretty early. And coincidentally she was pregnant with me and she, she didn't know it, but, (laughs) um, Later on, she, you know, when she found out she was pregnant, she was like, oh, I want my my kids to do the Suzuki violin method. That looks really cool, you know? And then, coincidentally, they had a Suzuki teacher um, in the school, in in the elementary school that I went to. So I was able to just do that, you know, right away when I went to kindergarten. So that was really lucky, and I'm really super grateful for that period of time, Um, just playing and you know, I don't think that, um, I don't think that I got a lot of individual attention, but it was like definitely what I loved. I mean, I remember just loving it so much, you know? Um, and I'm a Suzuki teacher now, which is, um, you know, that journey has been really healing for me as well to be able to, to give that, you know, gift of music to kids. And the Suzuki philosophy is so, loving and accepting and it's been a beautiful journey to to learn more about him and I could we could do a whole podcast just on the Suzuki method so I won't go (laughs) too far into that rabbit hole but anyway so so I did play for a while and then unfortunately the sad part of the story is that um when my parents were divorced my mom no longer had money for private lessons and I could have kept continuing in school but I was I was kind of competitive about it with another girl in my class and we were like competitive with what piece we were on because the Suzuki method is goes like up through volumes you know Uh and we're always like what song are you on what song are you on you know and I just was like I was in that same kind of like preteen sort of phase like you know 11 12 um difficult period of time, you know, for girls, especially. And I was just like, well, if I can't have private lessons, I'm just not going to play, you know, I'm just not going to do it. And so I quit. And I didn't have any community, any parent, uh, role model that was making me keep doing it or you know my mom was just like okay fine quit you know like she was working full-time she became a single mom she was super stressed with her divorce and um 
you know, it's I grew up on the East Coast in the suburbs, <laughs> so it's not like the Bay Area where there's a million opportunities here. But I didn't have that, so I just stopped completely. So that was um, that's definitely like a huge regret of mine. Now I'm like, yeah. wow, that really sucks. That, so when did you pick it up? <laughs> that again? I stopped. Yeah, so <laughs> I picked when... it up again right before I went to college. Actually, um, I. I had a boyfriend that was like kind of a music geek Uh and he really encouraged me to start playing again. And I wanted to, you know, I never wanted to really stop. It was just like a, I think it was just like a expression of all the, all the frustration and anger that I was going through, Mm -hmm. through, through my parents' divorce. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just, it was, it was like, you know, I, I was associating, that somehow with like the loss of my dad and you know Mm -hmm. like then I was also losing music too that was a really painful time of my life um but I've always loved music and I've you know always loved violin so when I kind of came out of that obviously that didn't last really long um I wanted to play again but I just you know I never really did but then when I met that guy he definitely was like no you really need to play again and so I started playing again, and I when I went to college, I got into um, this symphony that I started playing with. Um, and then I transferred colleges, and I went to the West Coast, and I was looking for, you know, some way to, to play music again, and uh, I found out about this Irish fiddle teacher. first time that I had even heard of traditional music like I didn't even really know it existed I'd never been exposed to it before and I was like well whatever I don't care I just want to play violin again so just you know whatever is at whatever is here in this town like let me just do it you know and that's what somebody said oh yeah there's this cool Irish fellow teacher and she does a trade for lessons you don't even have to pay like you can like work in her house and stuff and I was totally broke student so I was like cool that works for me you know because I can't afford to pay so her name's Anthea and I fell in love with Irish music it was like immediate just like absolute just just like you know um golden magical wand to the heart you know (laughs) it's just like explosion of beautiful music you know and I just started learning right away. And she really encouraged me. She said, you know, you're like a good musician. You could you could become really good if you want to, you know? And I was like, wow, really? Like, you know, I never thought I was going to be a musician or, you know, for a living or anything like that. You know, it's just like, I was just trying to, just to, to experience music, you know? Like, I just felt like it had been missing I missed it all those years and it was missing from my life and I love the violin I missed it so much and I just wanted to play it you know but I never thought like oh I could be a musician I never ever thought that but you know but I did just keep going and learning and then I went to Lark in the Morning music camp because somebody told me there's great Irish music there Uh and and then I met all my tribe <laughs> there all the all the friends from the bay area go that go to that camp and that's you know where i that met was, a lot of the musicians it. that i play with now and you know i've 
got exposed to all different types of Middle Eastern, Balkan music there, which I'd never heard, like Greek. And, you know, that's where I met Darius for the first time. And it was like just I got obsessed and addicted with with Middle Eastern music. It was like, you know, amazing, absolutely amazing to me. And then I decided to move here. Um, a couple years later, I was finally like, "All right, I gotta just move there. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just go and just learn music and see what I can do with it." And um, yeah, so that's the story. Yeah. recent composition uh, that I had written for my friend who was battling with cancer. So that was really, that's a really significant track for me um, because she's now gone. So when I wrote the piece for her, it was for a prayer ceremony that I was leading for her in the community. Um, And, you know, it was really powerful. We were all just like praying for her because she had a di- a really bad diagnosis. That she only had like a couple months to live. She ended up, you know, being really resilient and uh, living for another like two and a half years after that. But um, but yeah, I just wrote that song just 100% from the heart. Just you know, it was like a mixture of hope and and also dread and just emotions, you know, about her and her kids. And it was it was really hard. After she passed away and I'm making this album, I just decided that I wanted to build it up and so I wrote all these other string lines for it. It's one of the tracks on the album that has only violin, so it's just, you know, me just <laughs> looping, layering the violin on top okay. of each other, um, all those all those harmonies and everything. So, so I really... And which track is that called? That's called Grace. Grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for Anne, because Anne means grace. So when I when I wrote the song, all the songs have different names than what they originally had. I actually for the album I actually sat down and thought, okay, what should all these tracks na- tracks be named instead of just Anne song, you know? So I wrote to her husband and I said, Here's the track, you know, you name it. So I wanted him and and their kids to, to name the track and they named it Grace because that's what that's what Anne means. Yeah, and that's perfect name because she was she was an incredible person, just so generous and kind. Like she was like a saint, basically. And do you feel like when you play that piece that she communes with you in any way? Or I mean, do you feel like supported by I don't know? 
I'm always asking questions about. <laughs> I do. Experience. No, I do. I mean, all the yeah. all the tracks I feel like have their stories and their inspiration mm-hmm. um, for for me personally. And I, you know, my hope is that they can also inspire the listeners yeah. in, in their own ways. You know, I think that track has like a lot of like longing in it and just um, emotions and you know when people listen to that obviously they don't know and but they probably have their own you know longing and you know sad but happy at the same time kind of situations in their lives that they can connect to and another significant track that I was just thinking of too is the the one with the Santor on it which is that one's called Muse um and that, that one has a, a great story because I'm not a Santor player, obviously, <laughs> but I played for many years with Dariush, mm. who a lot of people in our community know. Um, he was kind of like um, a, lead, a leader in our community, bringing in a lot of new musicians and um, just being really encouraging and supportive to them and just an yeah. incredible, magical man. He really was able I think you and I at one point were talking about um like transcendence and and the spiritual aspects of performing and he was like the best with that like he really channeled he was just able to channel spirit and we all just like rode on that wave in performances with him it was really incredible um so anyway he passed away and I had I really missed um, playing with him and hearing the Santor because the sound of the Santor is just magical to begin with, you know? Um, so I was at Middle East camp one summer and I wanted to hear the Santor. So I just went to the Santor class. I don't, didn't have a Santor. I mean, I'd never like really thought I was going to play Santor. I just wanted to hear it. And I went to the class to listen and the teacher said, Oh, well, I have an extra Santor. Do you want to borrow it? And it was like, he like gave me like the best, I felt like a look like a five-year-old at Christmas, you know, I was like, really? I can borrow the Santor? Are you serious? You know, I was so happy and excited and I ended up really loving playing it. And I ended up buying that instrument from him because it was like an extra that he was selling. Mm-hmm. So then I just started playing Santor. And so I composed this piece pretty early on after getting it. I never, you know, really got amazing at the Santor, but but I did like to compose pieces. I do like to compose on it because it's so different from violin, so I come up with like really different melodies and just more rhythmic kind of feeling things than what I can do on the violin. So anyway, um, I love that track because it's written for my husband who I met that during that same week at Middle East camp. And so it was like right after I got the Santor and I was like really inspired by, by him and his musicianship. He's like an amazing virtuoso musician. And I wrote that song just thinking about him. album I bet he he is yeah he's proud and you know also glad that it's over (laughs) because it was a lot of work for him too he helped me a lot with the production and you know he's my husband so like anytime I had a question I'm like baby you know (laughs) 
He's like, if I hear you yelling baby from the room one more time, I'm going to strangle you, you know. But so, yeah, it it was a lot of work. I did all the editing on Pro Tools myself, and, I, you know, I learned how to do all that. And so, of course, I mean, you know, he's like an incredible musician. So, of course, if I'm listening, I'm like, I have like three takes of a violin solo, and I can't decide. He's the one that gets called, you know. So right, right, right. he got a little bit burned out on it. However, he helped immensely and he plays on several tracks he plays on three tracks on the album and um one of them is called reverie and it's with him on kanun and um aharon on hang drum and those the combination of those two instruments is just really awesome and i was just amazed by how that track turned out Mm. it was it came out really cool There's a little game that I like to play with my guests. Okay. The okay, so, game. Um, everybody plays it a little differently. So um, it's called Open Channel. Okay. And the idea is that we're all, you know, I'm hella woo woo and I'm always like talking about transcendence and I don't know, mm-hmm. working with spirit on the show and shit. So basically <laughs> the idea is that you just allow and you don't, you don't think too critically about what's coming out. You just allow yourself to share and the first word is forest (laughs) my daughter and all the little fairy houses that she used to build when she was little category (laughs) forest music in the forest with community (laughs) and love (laughs) that's that's the meaning of haven So 
So if you'd like to know more about Brianna DeMara and get a hold of her new album, Haven, you can visit her at briannamusic.com. She's also got a couple shows coming up. Definitely, you don't want to miss them. Um, it looks like she's going to be April 13th and 14th. April 13th, she has a Fairfax house concert. And April 14th, she's at the Back Room in Berkeley with musicians Gary Hegedus, Joshua Mellinger, Sasha Jacobson, and dancer Natalie Nayoon other surprise special guests so that is sure to be a really great concert Um, both of those you should check out at briannamusic.com stay tuned to the performers and creators lab podcast as we have new episodes coming every week and sometimes in between i recently started doing stand-up comedy and i have been sharing about those experiences in a special bonus episode every week called the comedy chronicles so if you're interested in that you should go ahead and check it out it's a little shorter a little more freeform a little more personal and intimate as i um yeah, I'm, I become a newbie in the stand-up comedy world. So check that out. And don't forget to pick up your free gifts on the podcast gifts page. That's performersandcreatorslab.com forward slash podcast gifts. And I'd like to thank my creative team, Hannah Romanowski, Tim, Tim Beal, Dan Cantrell, and Melanie Myers, my creative think tank team, as well as my producer, Q4TA. And I really want to thank Dan Cantrell. He always composes such great music for these episodes. This episode, all the music you heard was from Brianna DeMara's album, Haven, except for the opener, the closer, and of course, um, we use Dan's Solitude Waves for the open channel game. So, and I, of course, I want to thank you for listening. So thank you for listening to the Performers and Critters Lab podcast. My name is Holly Shaw.